from the National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. God loves you, but did you know he also respects you? How do I convert people who hate the church? These are only a few of the recent video blogs produced by Catholic evangelist Chris Stefanik. Today, the Register's Elisa Murphy talks with Chris Stefanik here on Register Radio. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Editor-in-Chief of the National Catholic Register and your host on Register Radio. Chris is a husband and father of six, an internationally acclaimed author and speaker, and the founder of reallifecatholic.com. He's always been a powerhouse in the area of evangelization, and I find his common sense style to be what draws others in. And also, his joy is contagious. And that's the wisdom he shares in his latest book, Living Joy, Nine Rules to Help You Rediscover and Live Joy Every Day. Elisa Murphy, the Register's digital assets manager, recently spoke to Christophonic about his new book. Let's listen in. Your book, Living Joy, seems to be so necessary right now, especially given the calamities occurring in our world right now. We've got the situation in Afghanistan, of course, Haiti, that's still pulling up from so much rubble and such catastrophe. Uh, many still coming to terms with the pandemic as it's, as it, you know, it's affected their livelihood, their families. Some lost loved ones. Uh, some were kept away from those suffering. And your book begins with your own personal story of being inside the ICU when your father had a heart attack. And the peace that overcame you amid that scary situation, you write, the pain was real and we were facing it together, but the joy was realer. And so many think of joy as a feeling. But your book takes us through to true joy. Can you tell us what true joy is and is there a tie to togetherness? Yeah, the, the real joy is not based in circumstance. And while it bubbles forth in, in the realm of feelings, it comes from someplace deeper in the, in the soul, deeper in the gut. It's, it's, a, it's a reveling in, in the love of God. It's not from life going perfectly. It's from knowing that you're loved perfectly, even when life is an absolute mess. And, yeah, it was, the ICU unit was a perfect place to kick off that, that book. Uh, and, I, and I, you know, this, this book came out during the pandemic, so perfect timing for that, too. Uh, because talk about circumstances really making life a mess for so many people. I, I know a, a priest in Australia uh, got in touch with me recently and said, you know, I have, I have buried far more people from suicide in the past year and a half than from COVID. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, so many lives have been turned upside down, uh, not only by the virus, but by the, the frankly, not the, the difficulty in knowing how the heck to respond to the virus uh, and, and the, the livelihoods, lockdowns, all this stuff. And if anything's under attack, it's 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 our joy, it's our sense of purpose, it's our it is our togetherness, all the things that that make life beautiful. But the things that came naturally to us before, it's time to get intentional about those things. It's time to get intentional about that. And and it starts with and and this is this is something that was important to realize before the challenges of the pandemic. It does not come from your circumstances. So many people think I will be happy if I'll be peaceful when. I'll focus on what matters most in September when life calms down. Did you catch that? It's the month that never comes, September. Um, we never quite get there. Uh, no, no, no. We have to start doing the things right now, right now, that it takes to be the joyful people that God called us to be in the midst of the chaos in our lives. 
You know, that's so true. And you mentioned the rise of suicides. I have to say your chapter on silence struck me the most, especially given the rise of suicides and depression. So many, uh, even most children and high school students, even college students this past year, stuck to screens, isolated, not really having, um, having your lifeline, so to speak. But you also in your book talk about your own experiencing visiting hermits when you were young. What are some of the ways to help us step away and detach? And how can these moments be a roadmap to our own interior life? Mm. Uh, So the first thing, I mean, all these rules, I go through non-rules in the book, and they're all pretty simple. That doesn't mean they're easy. They're actually really hard. Uh, But how to implement them is also simple. Again, not easy. Um, But a lot of these things come down to realizing that you need them. You know, we, we go through life on autopilot and things like our silence are, are robbed from us. And we need we need the soil of silence for for a, a joyful life, because without silence, there's no room for, well, frankly, living out the other rules for, for a joyful life like gratitude. How, how can you even notice the things to be grateful for, like friendship? How can you actually form friendship if you're crowding someone with all your noise or you're constantly distracted from them? Uh, so we, we absolutely need silence as, as a precursor for so many other things that we need to live a life of joy and a life of meaning. Uh, but wake up to the, to the fact that silence is being robbed from you. Uh, there's only two industries that call um, the people who consume their products users, and that is uh, people who sell illegal drugs and people who manage the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> you are a user. And the thing that, that these companies uh, that, that manage social media, everything, that they sell the commodity, um, they're not just serving the audience that comes to their platforms. No, no, you're not a customer, you're, you're a user. And the thing that they sell is you. They sell your attention. And they want to keep your eye, without any regard for your happiness, for your joy, for your peace of mind, they want to keep your attention locked in so they can serve it up and sell it to advertising agencies. That's how they make money. That's the funding model. And they are better at commanding your attention than you are. So many people are unaware of this. So many young people are unaware of this. And that which was supposed to keep us more connected with the world and with one another is absolutely separating us from the world around us, separating us from one another. And all the studies done um, about iGen, Generation Z, um, the, 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 the youngest crop of, 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 of young people right now uh, who are you know, just going into college, um, they're showing increased anxiety, increased depression, increased loneliness. And this is not just as a result of COVID. Uh, They're showing the direct relation of all these things increasing, all these mental health issues increasing, along with the generation that was raised with an iPhone in their hands at all times. Uh, there's There's a causal relationship of your attentiveness being stolen from you, of silence being plucked out of your soul with all these other issues and with, with being robbed of happiness. Um, so we, we, we absolutely have to engage, be aware that that battle is happening and start engaging it intentionally and uh, placing strict limits on our own, even adults, not just for your kids, parents, but for you. When do you put your phone down? When do you say, I'm getting off of Amazon? I'm getting off of Twitter. I'm getting off the newsfeed. What are the, the, the limits of technology in your life? You have to commit to these things. You have to communicate them to people around you. You have to stick to it. Exactly. I, I completely agree with you. You know, I re- was raised in a household where there was a timer on top of the TV and you yeah. were only allocated 30 minutes. But now it's these devices, things in your pockets. 
that can literally consume you. And yeah. it does seem in a way that the digital world could be one of the biggest causes of this feeling of being devoid of joy, that there right. is something missing. And, you know, you also point in your, your book, speaking of joy, that, you know, we have to have fun. And it seems kind of um, it seems like it should be simple these days. But as you're saying, it is somewhat unattainable uh, for so many. You remind us of the quote from G.K. Chesterton. Angels can fly because they take themselves lightly. But I also feel like, do you you know, perhaps there's a disconnect for some because of the suffering that you see in the world that sometimes we feel guilty for enjoying ourselves. Can, can you help us with that? Yeah, and 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 the, and the devil fell because of the weight of gravity. Chesterton also said, mm. uh, "There's a there's actually a, a a holy tradition around around fun. Uh, the, the Russian Orthodox monks have a tradition called Holy Fools. That uh, the the monks, as a way of rejecting the world, do outlandish things that make them look a little crazy, uh, things that are just silly. Or I I think of uh, Saint Philip Neri, uh, who shaved half his beard when he was invited to a a really important dinner party. He was being silly, but he was also saying, don't take me too seriously because I don't take all the world too seriously. Uh, when we're devoted to setting aside time to enjoy one another, to enjoy life, to having fun, even when things are going, going sideways. I mean, think about within marriage, right? There's mm -hmm. been intense issues me and my wife have had to work through uh, in the course of our, our 25 years of marriage so far. And um, mm -hmm. praise be to Jesus Christ. But, you know, d during the midst of those trials, it was so important for us. And we're in a great place right now. But we had this intense time of, of counseling and dealing with these struggles where we had put it all aside. We said we bracket it. We put it aside. We're going to have dinner together. We're going to look at each other. We're going to laugh together. We're going to enjoy some sushi and sake. Just have some fun or watch a movie together or something like that. That was a way of proclaiming to her, you're more important. We are more important than that which we're going through. Fun puts the world and its trials in its place. It's a proclamation from God. Yes, you've got bills to pay. When you come home from work, if you're not burdened, but you have fun with your kids, you, you preach the gospel to them, that the body's more than clothes. Life is more than food. You preach that message to your kids when you say, my work and our financial needs as a family don't dominate the life that we share together right now. But again, all of these rules come down to, are you intentional about it? Or, or are you just a passive recipient to your passing moods? That's not how we want to live our lives. That's so beautifully and so eloquently put, Chris. And I'm glad you brought up bracketing because I had that as part of the questions here. Not, you know, it's not March Madness, but a completely different type of bracketing that I think is yeah. a very good, good way to engage, especially with your family and really put down uh, in tangible terms what joy you have in your life. And you do mention in your book also engaging our bodies in this battle for joy, reminding us that we aren't just spiritual, we are metaphysical. And, you know, we also think of the need for smiling, using our bodies to protect and feel. But this has been somewhat lacking in this mass world uh, we've now been encountering. But why must we also include our bodies in this endeavor for living joy? Yeah, God, God made us body, soul, composite, right? Uh, and, and all the science backs up what, what theologians have been saying for a very long time, uh, that we need to not overlook as Christians as we strive to follow the Lord and, and live out who he made us. Uh, they, they, they've discovered that a smile activates the reward center mechanisms of the, of the brain, 
as effectively for many people as receiving a $25,000 check. Um, Isn't that amazing? Uh, They discovered that there's there's a Harvard study done uh, that showed that for many people who suffer from depression, aggressive workouts are on a regular basis are as effective as as medication. Now, I'm not saying that's going to work for everybody, nor am I saying there's any problem with medication. Uh, But there's something to pay attention to in that study. Uh, my own wife experienced very intense seasonal affective disorder and got very depressed every winter until she started working out through the winter. And, and, uh, it's incredible. She didn't, she didn't need any, any meds the year she was working out all winter. Uh, and, and her, her mood just was, was powerful. I mean, just this, you know, but this is who God made us. Body, soul, come on. It even comes down to the way you sit and stand. If you sit hunched over, uh, or or stand in in a posture that's unconfident. Uh, it it actually has an impact on on uh, the, the levels of your stress hormones, of course, cortisol in your body, of testosterone. If you sit with, with your arms, you know, behind your head, leaning back like you're not afraid of the world, it actually increases testosterone, decreases stress hormones. Uh, all these things are connected because this is who we are. So so overlook the physical. Um, I mean, sometimes I, I love in the sacred scripture when the Lord made someone rise from the dead and he cut through the commotion he just caused by resurrecting someone with a phrase like this, get them something to eat. <laughs> right. I mean, mm-hmm. there's sometimes we over spiritualize uh, our problems that we're having. And the Lord is just saying, hey, you need a nap, a good workout and a sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that yeah. Talk. <laughs> and, and there is this full call, as you're saying, to intentional sitting. Everything you're doing has an intention and a purpose. It's just, it's just really, uh, very thoughtful. Rule six in your book, making friends. You bring up this beautiful, mutually symbiotic relationship I just loved in Haiti between the elderly and children at an orphanage. I think this really pertains to not only living joy, but discovering joy as you call us to go deeper in our relationships with others. Yeah, our, our mission at Real Life Catholic is primarily uh, just word evangelization, but there's a part of our mission where, where we, uh, you know, tied to a mission in Haiti that I go to, and, um, that one of my, uh, we work with, with dear friends over there from Haiti 180. Uh, but they started a home for the dying because there were people dying in the hillsides and they literally would just die alone. Um, yeah. so they bring them to this home for the, this home to die in comfortably, hospice. And, there's an orphanage that's their primary mission that they run. The kids in the orphanage started playing with the people in the hospice and the people in the hospice stopped dying. Uh, so it became an old age home. <laughs> that's uh, beautiful. Yeah. There's, there's an incredible health impact, uh, of, of interaction with other people of friendship, you know, um, wow. This is one of the things that the way, the way that we've handled COVID has been um, so difficult for people. You know, even even if someone has had it or is vaccinated, they're they're frequently not not allowed to visit their their loved ones who are suffering uh, in an ICU. And you know, I don't I don't know all the scientific reasons behind that, but I do know that the cost of that of that safety precaution is so is so massive um, to not be able to hold hands with somebody when you're when in the midst of suffering. I mean, there's there's massive uh, health impact of all that stuff. Uh, they, they found that loneliness is more dangerous for your health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Yeah. Um, wow. So there's a, there's a Harvard study done uh, over the course of 80 years, one of the longest studies ever done. And they wanted to find out what sets people up in, in their old age for thriving, for health, for happiness. And they, they were doing everything from measuring the, the cranium to measuring cholesterol 
overwhelmingly, the number one thing they found was was relationships that were healthy, that were thriving, that were deep, that were supportive. Um, that's not not just romantic relationships, but friendships, community. There's a health impact and there's a spiritual impact. I mean, this is this is something our Lord called us to be intentional about, not just hanging out, but being doing what He did, having intimacy with friends that you know and are known by an intimate group. Peter, James, John, constantly pulled away with him. Have, mm-hmm. have to have intimate sharing. Uh, so we need to do this for our health. We need to do it for spiritual renewal. I, I get together once a month with three other guys, and we just spiritually check in. And it's simple. I mean, sometimes we might use a program, and there's lots of programs out there to help you. But if it, but if it doesn't boil down to questions like, how are you? What's going on in your life? How can I pray for you? I mean, we could have study groups, but that's not actual community. Mm-hmm. Just as we're now going into fall and we're heading into winter and we are, it seems, in another situation of um, another wave of COVID. You know, I was just thinking as you were talking about convalescent homes and nursing homes. And I right now have a toddler who was born in 2019. So just when she was about one, when I thought I'd be going to mommy and me classes, everything was shut down. There was really nothing. But yeah. one thing I always remember doing as a child and I really wanted to embrace with my own daughter was going to convalescent homes, going to nursing homes as a kid. And, and visiting them, we'd bake cookies and take them to everyone and I hold their hand, especially ones that don't have family or don't see anybody. Mm-hmm. It just seems like such a loss that, you know, I, I just pray that we're not at, the, at that level uh, come this winter, because I, I do agree with you that that human touch and intimacy is so needed, especially for the most vulnerable. And sure. rule eight in your book, you talk about serving, giving of oneself. And in the chapter, you remind us of blessed Chiara Badano. Can you tell us yeah. about her? And in so much pain, she was moved to service with all that she had. It actually reminded me of Mother Angelica here at, at EWTN. Yeah. Amen. Uh, but you know, let me rewind for one second. I mean, for the record, I know neither of us is against reasonable precautions when it comes to things like COVID. But when we don't measure the cost of our precaution and we don't take that into account and try to weigh that against the risk benefit ratio, uh, we, we get into trouble. You know, and again, and the, mm-hmm. there's a, a spectrum of, of people doing everything from what looks like reasonable precautions to uh, again, my poor friends in Australia, where it's like they haven't had a mask since June and they're locking down the entire country again because they want literally zero COVID cases. And, wow. and I mean, you know, that to, to, to overlook the fact that, hey, that could have a cost that, that might actually be worse than COVID. Let's talk about that. But when you say let's talk about that, you're instantly pigeonholed into, well, you're a radical conservative conspiracy theorist. So what? <laughs> what is going so on? True. Can we talk about this? <laughs> this is important to talk about. There's a cost. To lock yeah. people down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, uh, where, where were we? Sorry for the tangent. You know, so I rule, just I just love your take on no, rule eight. Uh, blessed Chiara Badano. I might be yes, butchering right. her name there. No, I, I, I Chiara Badano. I love this kid. So she she grew up in Italy, had everything going for her. Boys loved her, loved to rock climb, loved to play tennis. And one day she's rock climbing. I'm sorry, but she's playing tennis. She got a, a, an excruciating pain in her shoulder. She dropped her tennis racket. And got some tests done that showed she had a rare form of bone cancer. And she said, I'm young, I'm a fighter, I'm going to make it. But as CAT scan showed over time, no, you're not. Uh, her constant prayer was, Jesus, if this is what you want, this is what I want. And if you Google pictures of this kid, you will see pictures of her in the hospital. Chiara, it's Italian for Claire. It's spelled Chiara, right? Uh, C-H-I-A-R-A, Badano. And uh, her hair would fall out. She'd hold it up in the air and say, for you, Lord. 
she walk around counseling depressed patients in the hospital and people would tell her to rest off time to rest later. Uh, this one cardinal of the church visited her. He said, the light in your eyes is amazing. Where does it come from? She said, I try to love Jesus as much as I can. Uh, her last words were goodbye. Be happy because I am. Wow. And that what you look at face her, her, you really, if you're listening right now, Google her right now, look at the picture of her and her deathbed. This beaming light from her face. It's, it's, it's a, an amazing grace. And, um, it's, it's a witness to, to the real joy of having the spirit. She, she also said, I have nothing left, but I had my heart. And with that, I can love. Um, she had nothing in her life that circumstantially would make her super happy. She was losing everything, everything she dreamt of being. She wanted to be a flight attendant. She wanted to get married. She wanted to have kids. All these dreams that a young person has they were all going away. She wasn't going to get any of it, but she gave. That, that, and she, she had a mission that continued even when she couldn't walk anymore, to continue mm-hmm. to love. Uh, she's the first blessed of Generation X. First to be declared blessed. That's, a, that's the step right under becoming a canonized saint. Um, and, and what a perfect generation to have our, ble- a blessed, our first blessed uh, model, such a thing. That in the me generation, she said others. She's mm-hmm. part of the other generation of, of saints. That's beautiful. I know I was so moved, really. And because you think of uh, Blessed Carlo Acutis for the millenn- uh, for the young for the millennials, but yeah. uh, to know yeah. about Blessed Chiara was just so poignant. Chris, I don't want to take too much of your time here, but you do have a Rule Nine that I think was just a, a great fitting way to culminate this whole journey into joy. Framing your mind on faith. Call us to consider Saint Paul's frame of mind. Uh, he was able to find joy in a prison cell awaiting execution. As a convert, I'll have to say. I find Catholicism offers so many ways to frame your mind on faith with daily mass, the sacraments, celebrating saints. And this year in particular, we have a saint for every day in this year of St. Joseph. I know you've been working on a very exciting project along with Dr. Scott Hahn, Chris Everett and others. Can you tell us how we can best frame our mind on faith by looking at the terror of demons, St. Joseph? Yes. Yeah. So if you have uh, you mentioned a great project. It's on reallifecatholic.com. It's a, a program on St. Joseph that we released. Uh, Father Don Calloway is in it, too, and uh, just meditating on, on the saints to help us enter daily life as he did. You see, the way he lived a daily life wasn't segmented. He didn't have his, here's my work life, and then here's my prayer life. He worked with Jesus. <laughs> he woke up in the morning. He rolled over. Whose face was there? The Blessed Mother. This was how he lived his life. There was an immersion in, stu- in the stuff of God. And this is what Catholicism is supposed to do for us. You, you mentioned, you know, here's a serious uh, advantage we have as Catholics. We have the smells, the bells, the incense, the icons hanging in our house, the rosary, all these different practices, uh, obviously mass and, and the liturgy. All these things draw us in, not just to adding holy to-dos to our already busy lives, but to help us see all of life differently. St. Paul wrote from prison. You want to talk about circumstances that will drag you down? Hmm. He wrote, set your mind on things above, not on things of earth. The Catholic faith makes it easy for us to do what St. Joseph did, to roll over, to see the Blessed Mother, to see Jesus. And, and uh, you know, right when you get up in the morning. And that's, that's, that's not just something we do on the side in a segmented way. This is supposed to be how we see all of life. And this makes life amazing. It makes life awesome. I mean, this is also what sets my book and the stuff we talk about with living joy totally aside from secular self-help. Mm-hmm. The world is constantly telling people, to have positivity, have a great attitude, believe in yourself, love yourself. But they don't have the right framework for how to see life. 
And that's why their advice is falling on deaf ears. We have never told young people more frequently to believe in yourself. But from a secular worldview, uh, where there's no God, no purpose, where you are a lump of self-aware molecules and your destiny is nothing, or maybe uh, there's some vague sense of the universe looking out for you and you'll go back into the universe. What does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not a cause for hope, for gratitude, for joy. It's not a, a, it's not something I'd want to go into silence if that's the only reality. I mean, every rule in my book for living joy is dependent on, on this one, that we have an actually compelling reason to rejoice. Uh, and that's when we look at our lives through the eyes of faith, through the vantage point of the things of God. And then you, you re-examine your daily circumstance in light of that vantage point, that y- your life isn't a story written by a, a pain in your marriage, by divorce, by cancer, by abuse, by your loss of your job, by COVID, by any of these things. Those are all reduced to pages in a bigger story, which is the love story of God, a God who created you out of love, redeemed you on the cross, and calls you to eternal glory. Because th- this is the story we're living in. This is the best news ever. That is the best anchor to take. I agree with you, Chris. You say in your last chapter, we give everything to purchase love because we crave the joy love promises. Chris, your book is such a beautiful read and such a poignant take for today's world. Thank you so much for your time today. We hope to have you back soon. You can learn more about living joy and about Christophonic by visiting reallifecatholic.com. Chris, again, thank you so much for your time and we hope to have you back soon. God bless you and your family and all your important work. God love you. To follow more of Chris Stefanik, go to reallifecatholic.com or go to ncregister.com and search Chris Stefanik. And of course, for more news analysis and commentary, check out the National Catholic Register online or sign up for our daily email at ncregister.com. Thanks for listening here on Register Radio. For Jeff Burson, our producer, and myself, Jeanette DeMello, until next week, God bless you. For more information about the National Catholic Register and about Register Radio, go to ncregister.com. Podcasts of Register Radio are posted on ncregister.com and on ewtn.com. Join us next week at this time for Register Radio on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Archbishop Cordelione talks about the National Catholic Register. The Register's content is so critically important in the society we're living in now. There's an absence of the practice of religion in public life. So all the more important is it for people to be reading the Register so that they can acquire more understanding of our Catholic faith. I've appreciated the catechetical benefits of the content of the Register. It presents very clear Catholic teaching in a way that is easily digestible. To get six free issues, order online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. Call or click today. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully.